Let's jump into it. Be'ezus Hashem. So today is going to be the final shear on the uh, the seventy fifth teaching from Sicha Saran. Be'ezus Hashem. We've had a couple of shiurim already on this Sicha, which of course is all about tefillah. And today we're going to take it to the finish line. And then the next Sicha, Sicha Ein Vav, is all about Torah. So these are two lengthy Sichas, one about tefillah, one about Torah. And like Reb Nassim tells us at the end of this teaching, which we're going to see together today, this doesn't represent the exhaustive uh, teaching of Rabbi Nachman of Breslov on tefillah. It would be impossible to communicate all the nuances, all the details. But Bederach Klal, generally speaking, we get a pretty clear picture of a bit of a different approach to what tefillah is, to what tefillah should look like, to what our perspectives on tefillah should be or could be. And that's what we've gained already in the last couple of shirim. And now in our fourth shir, Be'ezus Hashem, we're going to finish up this piece. So we have a lot to get to as, as always, but let's just dive into it all and with tremendous gratitude to all of you for joining. Says the Heliger may his merit stand by us. He says a person should be careful to pray to Davin with joy. He says that a person should Davin also with a melody of joy. So we should Davin with Simcha and we should say the words of our Tfila with a melody, with a nigun of Simcha, with a joyous kind of, of melody. Let's just right off, right off the bat, let's take a look at some sources. This idea of davening with tefillah, with, with simcha rather, is hinted to in the Gemara, but it was earliest expressed, like in a very, very clear way, and this is the Makar, which many other Sfarim are drawing, this teaching about davening with simcha, they draw it from this teaching, from the Arizal, and so in Shara Kavanas we read the following, Asur la'adam, strong terminology. It is forbidden for a person, Asur la'adam, to offer up his tefillah in a spirit of, of sadness. Which just on the surface of it is, sounds strange, right? Because we know, a broken heart, who doesn't, doesn't shame a broken heart. HaKadosh Baruch Hu welcomes a broken heart. Tefillah should be said and could be said with, uh, with, with a spirit of sadness in the sense of Tefillah La'ani Kiyatov. It's the Tefillah of a pauper, of a person that comes to rely on Hashem. There is an element where brokenheartedness is not only not a bad thing, but it could be a super beneficial thing. We've learned that together about the distinction between brokenheartedness and joy. But the key word here, be'itzavon, means this debilitating kind of hopelessness, wherein a person comes into tefillah not out of any kind of hope that the tefillah is going to be accepted, listened to, that the tefillah opens up a gate in some way for the possibility of the situation improving, but a person just comes with a heaviness, with the opposite of emuna, which like we learned, I think, last week or two weeks ago, is itself intercontradictory because the whole tefillah is, is, is founded on the premise that there's a being that's listening to us, that cares for the tefillah that we offer up, that tefillah can make a difference, that although nature and natural circumstances might appear locked in that this is what it is, tefillah is mishana hatev, a tefillah could change nature. So if a person davens in a way where it's not really speaking about brokenheartedness, but 
a lack of emuna, where it becomes words off pages just because socially this is what we're expected to do, or we would feel really guilty if we weren't davening, shachris, mincha, and so on. But when a person davens in a, in a, in, in, in a spirit of emuna, which is a spirit of simcha, even if it comes from a broken heart, but that's what tefillah should be, because tefillah needs to take place within the context of hope, of hope, the amuna that everything can change, and that tefillah can be a part of making that shift and moving things forward. So he writes over here, not only is it not advisable, this very powerful word, usr, it is totally forbidden. Mamish, counterproductive, antithetical to tefillah, to come into tefillah with this kvedos, with this heaviness. To come in to davening with, with this sense of despair. And he says the scary thing, if a person does this, in classic Arizal uh, style, when talking about tefillah, ordinarily we'd think that Hashem would be the one that's being referred to as either accepting our tefillah or not accepting our tefillah. We perceive us as being the givers in the sense of offering up a tefillah. And the question is, is our tefillah being accepted or not? But in that Rizal's conception, something much deeper is taking place than a person praying to Hashem who's listening. Tefillah in and of itself becomes an answer. In as much as tefillah grants us the capacity to receive tremendous spiritual light into our neshamas by virtue of the tefillah itself, irrespective of whether or not a Kodesh Baruch Hu answers yes, or things begin to change in the way that we'd like to see them change, in the, in the practical, actual circumstances of our lives, the tefillah in and of itself is, a, is an answer. In the sense that when we daven, and we learned this also in previous shirim, like we said, a person feels completely inspired, a gate opens, and, a, and, a, and an art elion, a light of clarity, a light of eternality, is shining down into our neshamas because tefillah opens up a channel between the one that's davening and the one to whom he is davening. Mamish opens up a channel. So that Rizal says, well, if a tremendous amount of spiritual energy and light is flowing down into our lives when we daven, then we have to have a kli. We have to have a vessel. Because if there's no vessel, then the light comes down and it just hits the bottom of a very shallow cup and, and, it, and it overflows and it goes out and we're not able to contain it. So the Ari HaKadosh says that if a person davens with this state of not sadness or brokenheartedness, but, but despair, like a cynical tefillah, a tefillah that's an anti-tefillah tefillah, because tefillah is supposed to be an expression of faith, of emunah, as the Pasik says about Moshe Rabbeinu battling Amalek, Vahiyadav Emuna, the Pasik says, his hands were faithful. And the Targum Unkala says, Pirshan Bitsila, his hands were spread in prayer. That's literally the translation of Emuna is, is Tfila. So if a person davens, but they don't really believe in the in the davening, it's a hopeless Tfila. That's not a Tfila of hope. That's a Tfila Chasvasham. That's the opposite of, a, of what a Tfila should be. Says the Arizal, ir, again, irrespective of whether or not that Tfila is going to be. Mikubal, which we'll get to from the, from the Baal Shem Tev in the next source, whether or not that tefillah is going to be accepted by Hashem, the question is, what are we accepting or not accepting based on the way that we're davening? We're not going to have the kli 
that's necessary to enable us to walk away from tefillah, what we need to get out of tefillah, because essentially tefillah is supposed to be an infusion of hope, an infusion of life, like Rabbi Nachman says in Torah Tess, in the ninth lesson of Likutim around, based on the Pasuk, tefillah lekel chayoy. Tefillah lekel chayoy. A prayer to the living God. And so Rabbi Nachman says that means to say that tefillah is the source of life. Tefillah lekel chayoy. When a person davens to Hashem chayoy, we should get life from it. It should help us refocus, like Rosham Shafal Hirsch and others saw tefillah fundamentally, not so much as a tefillah, even though, of course, we're davening, but there's another function in tefillah, which we've mentioned previously, where it enables us to re gain clarity into so many fundamental foundations of our faith, of our worldview, of the way that we see things, of the categories within which we place things, of the way that we understand history. A person davens consciously. Think about Shemana Esrei. Think about how many fundamental principles of all the things that we're yearning for are embedded in Shemana Esrei. So again, whether or not the tefillah is a good tefillah, whether it's ex- being accepted, there's something we're supposed to get out of tefillah as tefillah, not in terms of the tefillah being answered or not answered. And says that Rizal, the only way to walk out of shul or walk out from wherever you're davening, feeling like, okay, we've got what we came into tefillah for, which was again, this recalibration of our, of our worldview, of our perspective, so that we can walk out with like a, like a, a, hip, a, a hop in our step, the only way to do that is to come into tefillah with that, with that um, readiness, with that fundamental foundation of hope, so that when we daven, and we daven with Yerushalayim, Ir Chabrach Mim Tashav, Hashem take us back to Yerushalayim, Alat Tzaddikim, we talk about how we, we want that the Tzaddikim should be elevated in the world, and those that are not living life in that way or contributing to the revelation of Hashem's presence should, should, should not be elevated in that way. And we daven for Parnassah, and we daven for all the things, to Kabashay, for God, the Kibbutz Galias. We want that that should be tefillah, like Hel Chayoy. It should give us life. In order for it to give us life, we have to walk in and begin the tefillah with the vessel of Simcha, which means Emuna. Says that Rizal, at the time of Vidoy, of Tachnun, so at that point it should be. Mamish with brokenness, meaning with a taste of the hopelessness that is embedded within the experience of, of all the things that we're enumerating, Ashabno, Maganu, Gazavno, meaning to say we should experience the hopeless feeling that we can and should rightly feel when we're just wrapped up in, in all of those things and we feel like we need to break out of it. So Tachnun is the most joyous part of davening in the sense that, wow, we get a chance to mamish duvidoy and clean our slate and we can start the next phase of the day clear. So there's tremendous simcha there. But while enumerating the, the, the sins, then we should taka try to tap, as much as we can, we should try to tap into a place of, of hopelessness. Aval b'shar but the rest of the davening, nimshach listen to these words, nezek nifla. Nezek nifla gadol, a person can bring into their life a, 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 an awesomely tremendous damage. Al yedei by going into tefillah with this, with this darkness, with this sadness. 
So what should a person do? To walk and become revealed before HaKadosh Baruch Hu and to show a sense of bittel, a sense of, of, of trembling, a sense of awe for the experience like that we've, we've mentioned in the context of the beginning of this teaching as being the pinnacle of human functionality is prayer. So we're in awe of the experience and what we're about to do. But a person should go ahead and should try to daven in a state of tremendous joy. But if we serve Hashem with, with hopelessness, so this, is, this becomes the opposite of what Hashem intends for Avodah Hashem to be. For what Jews are supposed to be. We're supposed to channel hope into the world. We are the hope of the world. We have a clear vision for what this world can be. And we're fighting tooth and nail, each one of us, against all of the things that we have to struggle against to manifest that reality bit by bit by bit. We are the hope of the world. We're on a mission to the nations of the world. Arla Goyim. Ta'ir Eretz Mechvaidecha. That the whole world should be lit up with the glory and the presence of Hashem. So if we're serving Hashem in this, in this place of, of, dep- of, of sadness in such a way, of hopelessness, this is not what Hashem wants. Says that Rizal, it's almost as if the entire essence of elevation, what it means to be an Ishmala, an elevated, a higher person, to attain completion, and to attain divine spirit, to be plugged in. To a higher, a higher degree of revelation, he says, almost, it's like the whole thing depends on this, on simcha, which we're translating as a spirit of hope, a spirit of openness, a spirit of believing that no matter what happened in my past, leading up to the present moment, that has nothing to say about the next moment, that has nothing to say about what is yet to come. Both at a time of tefillah, the rest of the mitzvahs, whatever we're engaged in, again, the fundamental foundation of Avodah Hashem is hope, is tikva, is the belief that things can be better, that we can be better, that the world can be better, that we're a part of making the world a better place, a brighter place, which is the essence of our existence. And that's the Arizal. Let's turn to the an early collection of teachings from the Baal Shem Tov. And he says over here, Here the Baal Shem Tov, which I alluded to earlier, does speak about the acceptability of the tefillah itself vis-a-vis Hashem. Whereas before we were speaking about what we can receive from the tefillah, either in a state of simcha or chas v'shalom, the opposite. Over here we speak about whether the tefillah itself will be received by Hashem. He says there's no question about it. A simcha tefillah that's offered up with great joy is certainly more likely to be accepted, I don't know, whatever this means, to go up to the right place before Hashem. Yoyser more than a tefillah that's, that's with, with sadness and, and with, with crying. 
And he gives a parable for this. If a person, a pauper, comes before the king and he sits there and he's crying and he's so sad, so they'll give him something. But a certain amount, a limited amount. Even though logically it would seem like, well, he, he cried so, in, so um, passionately, you'd think that the king would be so moved. And there's a certain degree of truth to that. The king is moved and the king will give him something. When the Tsar, when a high-ranking official walks in and with a big smile on his face, he starts to praise the king and he starts to tell the king good news and, 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 and just generally bring an atmosphere of simcha into the, into the throne room. And then amidst this general atmospheric energy, the Tsar then asks what, what he needs. He says, then the king is going to give much, much, much more. Much more. And again, it's not an exact muscle. I'm sure we can find cases where, you know, a, 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 a very sad person woke up more compassion by a king. But what he means to say is we can all hear such a thing. And not only that, forget about this like abstract muscle. In our own lives, it's likely that we've experienced such a thing. We've all experienced, you know, the difference between a person who comes to our door sometimes or comes over in shul that's asking for some, for some tzedakah. A person that comes with, with a smile and a person that comes with a general spirit of optimism, of chen, he makes us feel good. We, we, we want to prolong the interaction and it can go a very long way, even though there's, it's true. Really impassioned crying can also awaken compassion by the person from whom uh, tzedakah is being asked. That's true. And that's why we say there's, there's room for davening with a lev nishbar. He's not saying, you know, just forget your feelings. No. Of course there's room for that. But what does Hashem want? He wants happy people. He wants optimistic people. He wants hopeful people. He wants people that understand that tefillah itself, in as much as it gives us the opportunity to express our pain before Hashem, is fundamentally optimistic in nature. Tefillah is optimistic in nature. And when a person understands that, even though we are going through challenges and tefillah is the space where we're allowed to express whatever we want to express, chas v'shalom, to suppress an emotion. Chas v'shalom. Hashem doesn't want that from us. He wants the, all of us. We're b'nei Yaakov. Yaakov Avinu is the mix. He has some of Avram, which is the mid of chesed, of love. He has, a, he has some of Yitzchak, which is the mid of gvura. He's the balance. Hashem wants all of us, which is MS. We've said this in previous shirim. Aleph, Mem, Tuf, from the beginning of the Aleph base to the end of the Aleph base, the whole gamut of emotions, the whole spectrum. Hashem wants all of that from us. As b'nei Yaakov, as b'nei Yisrael. So that's a tefillah, certainly the space to express emotion. But contextually, let us come into tefillah to express our emotions, however we may choose to express our emotions, on a standing firmly on a platform and a foundation of optimism, of hope, of tikvah, of simcha. And when we do that, we could already begin smiling. We could already begin dancing. We could already begin to get into the mindset of understanding that I have a father to speak to. And he's the Melech Olam. He's the king of the world. He's the Ein Sof. He's the infinite one. 
Nothing is locked into the way that it is right now. And there are deeper secrets and mysteries that HaKadosh Baruch who's running the world beyond what I'm able to understand, what's good for me or not good for me. I'm part of a story that's being told through me. I'm doing my best. V'chule, v'chule. The world is hurtling toward tikkun, not toward destruction. When we, when we offer tefillah in this way, says the Baal Shem Tev, Hashem is far more likely to receive our tefillahs because this is what Hashem wants. This is what Hashem wants. I'm remembering because we're coming up now to another three weeks, nine days. Tisha B'Av, Faisal Hashem, we should, we should experience the third base HaMikdash. And Mashiach is born on Tisha B'Av. We, we, we shouldn't have to sit on the floor this year and say kinnas. But I'm reminded of one of the tzaddikim who, who told his chassidim not to, not to spend such a long time with the kinnas and with crying and with you know, to, 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 to schlep with Eicha, every word, and with the Bechir. He says, he says, because the Pasuk says, B'chol tzaroi samloi tzar, imoi anoichi b'tzar. HaKadosh Baruch is also in pain. And when a person's in pain, they, they, they want somebody to comfort them. They don't want somebody to be mamik, you know, to, to, to make the pain even more painful. Sometimes, yes, right? So, yeah, sometimes, yes. But the Sadik said that that's Pshad in the Pasuk, that, that we're, Ezra Hashem, we're going to lay in, Shabbos Nachamu, Nachamu, Nachamu Ami. Doesn't mean, be consoled, be consoled, my nation, but Hashem is saying, Nachamu, Nachamu, console me, Ami, my people. Hashem is saying, please, Nachamu, like Nachamuni, Hashem is saying, cheer me up, cheer me up. And that was an avoida by some of the Hasidim on Tisha of to set aside our own pain, to cheer up, to be a little bit like David Malka Meshicha. David Malka is referred to in the Zar Kaddish as Badchana de Malka. He's the court jester, which means a million things. It's so deep. But that's our generation. It's it's Hani Train Badri, the Gemara and Tainis. You know, one of the Amiram and Tanam was walking with Eliyahu Navi in the Shuk, and he said, Is there a Ben Olam Haba? Is there. A person that's Mamish going to Gan Eden in this marketplace. And Elionavi said, Yes, there are. He said, Who? I don't see any tzaddikim around. And he pointed out two comedians, two Badchanim, that their job was to just make people feel happier. So these are Ben Olam Haba. So in some way, if we can do that, Klape Hashem, and we can we can be Mechazik Hashem, which is like a crazy thing. Hashem is perfect. But in as much as he created this world, like we always say, he, he wants something from us. He wants something from us that he wouldn't have without us. So let's be that for him. What might he want? And one of the things that Hashem wants is just is us to, to keep him company in a positive sense. To so to speak, to encourage him. That's what it means. To new eyes lelikin. Give strength to Hashem. Console Hashem. Walk into tefillah, not, not making things worse, make, make things better. With the realization that things are getting better, things can get better, things will get better. Hashem is far more likely, says the Baal Shem, to respond in a favorable way when we walk in with this kind of attitude, with this kind of atmosphere. So that was the first part of the sentence, right? And then the Rebbe said, to daven with a joyous tune. So if you take a look in the Sefer Hasidim, which is a collection of teachings from the Hasidic Ashkenaz, he says here, Take some time to think through a playlist of Nigunim. And then when you start to daven, Emor Oisan Ba'oisin Nigin, Shana'im Umatok Be'inacha. 
say the words of tefillah according to that melody that you found to be sweet and precious in your eyes and pleasant. Say the whole tefillah in this way of a nigga. And try to daven with kavana. And let your heart be drawn after the words that are emerging from your mouth. To daven all the things that you're asking and requesting. Nigun. With this melody. That prepares the heart. That warms the heart. To these words of Shabbat to these words of praise. A nigun, a melody that's going to bring joy to your heart. Something that gets you into a better mood. Something that reminds you that there's hope in the world as music is able uniquely to do. So identify a melody that does that to you and sing the whole tefillah with that melody. So your heart and your and your and your mouth should be full with ava with love and with joy. Before whom? Before who? Before Hakadosh Baruch Hu, who sees your heart. And bless him with an expansive feeling of love, vigila, and rejoicing. Because. And it makes reference to all, all the all the things that were enumerated above, which we took the last one. Prepare the heart. And one of them is nigun, to daven with a melody. If you, if you we look at Lukutimran 42, Membes, so this is part of a little bit of a more involved piece. I do encourage you to look it up if you can. It's a little bit more complicated, so I just took one, one line. Where Rabbi Nachman says nimsa, based on a bunch of different connections between Psukim and Zohars and Chazals. Nimsa, it emerges that He says it in such a beautiful way. A person that sings the words of Tefillah. And the voice of the singing is, is, is pure, is clear, is gentle. Not to scream or shout, but just a gentle, joyous, humble, simple melody. Spirit of optimism that we spoke about, to encourage Hashem, lighten things up a little bit. Says Rabbi Nachman, as I malbish as Hashrina, you are clothing the Shrina, which, like he proved before, before this line, is the words of Tfila, the letters of Tfila, you're garbing them, you're clothing them. In beautiful garments of light. And so the words themselves are incredibly holy. You say the words of tefillah, it's the words of the Shekhinah. It's God's presence. But imagine if we can not only express the Shekhinah, express the presence of God, imagine if we could offer those letters and those words to cause them to float off of the page in incredibly beautiful garments of light. How do we do that? How do we send the letters of tefillah up to HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the most gorgeous, beautiful garments, dressed up, clothed? Says the Rebbe, when you sing the words of tefillah, when you sing the words of tefillah with a joyous melody, you're sending the letters and the words of tefillah up to Shemayim, and they're, they're, they're wearing these, these beautiful garments. Such a beautiful imagery. And Kaddish Baruch who sees this incredible um, 
just like this assembly of letters, this beautiful, glowing assembly of, of, of souls approaching Azai, and this leads to Hamas HaMalach Shachacha. Whatever din there is, whatever we call it anger, right? But that's just from our perspective. Whatever harshness there is, whatever severity, concealment there is, Shachacha, it becomes sweetened. It becomes sweetened when Hashem sees what's coming out to greet Him. These letters of tefillah that we sent up, not just as letters, which would be holy enough, but enclosed in these garments of light. When, they, when our tefillah goes up to Shemayim with, with, um, with a melody, a very, very precious thing. Okay, so all this is extremely important. We're talking about optimism. We're talking about simcha. We're talking about being misameach Hashem and what we can get out of tefillah when we approach tefillah in such a way and what we can give Hashem and thereby what we can get, so to speak, in terms of Hashem answering our tefillah, what we can get from that, simcha. And now we're learning about a nigun shal simcha, about davening with a nigun of simcha, so much so that like we just saw from the Sefer Hasidim, he says a person should pre-prepare a playlist. Pre-prepare, go through Spotify, there's some of your nigunim that you like to listen to, pick a nigun. And this should be the melody that you're using to, to sing the whole tefillah through. And okay, it could take a very long time if you're going to sing the whole entire tefillah, but at least certain sections that you feel more connected with. It's even brought down in halacha, very few people do this, but it's brought down in the Shulchan Arach. That Mizmur Lasaida, which we say in, in, um, after Baruch Sha'amar, and before Yehi Chavayid, the Shulchan Arach says that we should, we, it should be sung with a nigga simcha. Mizmur Lasaida, it's literally a song. A song of thanksgiving. So at least for that thing to, to be able to find a niggin and to sing uh, that that paragraph with a song is, is very beautiful. Okay, let's go further. And a person should try to to make themselves joyous and to get themselves into that zone of optimism, of hope, like we say. Before davening, and to make sure that you're in a good place when you come into davening. Because again, tefillah is not just this, this exercise of, of reading words off pages. It's not liturgy. It's, it's got to be an experience. And if it's going to be an experience, then there are certain conditions. If we are to get out of tefillah, what we should get out of it. So not to say we shouldn't daven if we don't have those conditions, and so on, and even an uninspired, even without any kavana, you davened, you already fixed the whole world. But everything in the Svarim that we're learning is, okay, but how do we strive for the ideal, right? What is the ideal? Not what's the bare minimum. What's the ideal? If a person's in love with someone else, they don't, they don't want to know how can they just do the bare minimum to, and, and you know, fulfill their obligation. They want to really find out how can I give to this person in the best way. And if we are in love with Hashem and we are feeling a relationship with Hashem, we want to get close to Hashem. So then we want to know well, what's the best way to go about doing that, right? And so over here says Rabbi Nachman, take some time before davening. Make sure you're in a good space, in a good zone. Sometimes you can want to, let's say, daven in early mincha, but if you're not in the good space, so then don't. Then don't. Wait. Wait until, until later. Because it's not, it's, again, it, it's, it's not just in terms of the practicality of like, okay, I just I, I have mincha is one of the things I have to do today. And if I daven mincha now, so then I will have gotten it out of the way, so to speak, and then I can carry on with the rest of my schedule. It's not so simple because, because mincha matters. 
And if mincha matters, then the way that I daven mincha matters. And if the way that I daven mincha matters, then if I don't have the prerequisites, if the conditions are not right, then it's just not worth davening right now. And it's okay to push it off. The same goes for minion. If a person wakes up, let's say super early, and they wanted to daven with a certain minion, but they're not in that, that right zone. So, so wait, wait, or, go, or, or take that time and try if you can to get yourself into a better place. And to, and to bring some energy into your life, to bring optimism, simcha, ah, the feeling that, 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 uh, that, you know, not everything is lost, not everything is hopeless, but whatever it is for you that gets you into that state, an expanded consciousness. Says the Rebbe, one of the ways of doing that, one of the major ways of doing that, is Famously, Rabbi Nachman, one of the most famous teachings in the Kutumaran is Torah 282, Reish Pei Beis. And over there, Rabbi Nachman speaks about the concept of finding good points, good points in others, and good points in oneself. So the Rebbe says, take some time to seek, lechapes, to seek, and to find in your own life, some small little drop of of goodness. Because that alone can bring you back to life. Recognizing, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm fundamentally okay. And here's how I know. Here are the little indicators, the little points of light, the little pilot lights that show me that there's, there's fire inside of me. There's fire inside. I still got fight in me. Spiritually, we're, we're still, we're, part of, we're, we're on a journey. We're part of a story. So finding those little indicators on the outside that show us how good we are, how mamish good we are, fundamentally, essentially good we are despite all of our challenges and the ways that we sink into consciousness so much of the time that might be quantitatively more, but it's not qualitatively more. Qualitatively, we are tov, we are good. Qualitatively, we have a chelik al mal inside of us. And we so often see that neshama tahira manifesting in different ways, different ways, little points of light, little points of goodness, little points of self-control, little points of pushing ourselves, little points of, of strong yearning, little points of kindness, little etc. Sometimes we forget about that and we just take a look at our image in a mirror proverbially and we say, forget it, I'm, I'm, I'm finished, I'm finished. But we can't come into tefillah with such a with such a consciousness because that's the opposite. Of, like we said, it's the opposite of tefillah. Tefillah is all about hope. Tefillah is all about optimism. Says the Rebbe, fine. So take some time to seek steeply in yourself these good points, these good points, and to rejoice over them. And he says, we already ex- ex- explained this at length in the teaching of Zamar Lelikai Ba'oidi Ayin Sham Heitiv Lekutimran Reish Pei Beis 282 where this whole idea is explored at, at length. This is what we said before. Rabbi Nassim writes, there's so much to talk about with regard to tefillah. There's so much. But we cannot explain everything in the written word. But we've given you in this sicha, specifically in sicha ayin hey, but we've learned different things about tefillah. Throughout Sikha Saran and our journey so far, in these 70 plus 
shirim, and 70 plus sichas that we've learned together, many things about tefillah, we've learned Rashi Prakim, just, you know, headings. He says, the wise one and the one that is seeking truth, he or she will understand very deeply all of our words. They are wondrous, awesome, true, and wholesome pieces of advice. And indeed they are in order to give us a healthy foundation and a launch pad to come into tefillah. Everything we've learned over the last couple of shiram alone changes the game, changes tefillah. It cha- I, I could speak personally, my tefillah is different. You know, just from these past couple of shiram, there are things that we've learned together that I, I, I really am trying to, to, to um, implement practically. Right? One of the things just for me personally that stood out very, very strongly was the concept of expectation. You know, just to come into davening, realizing what, like we said, and we called it um, climbing Everest, you know, just to the pinnacle of what tefillah is, and just to appreciate the fact that I'm there. Just to be grateful for the fact that I'm there. That itself is an akuda taiva, right? And then from that standpoint, my expectation is not so high, but to go in simplicity, word after word after word. I find that, oh my gosh, how did I end up in the middle of the Halalukas? I was just uh, in Birchus HaShachar. Okay, start from now. Not gonna, not, the tefillah is not ruined and so on. This is stuff that I've been working on, you know, and the Rebbe's teachings just shifts the way that we look at things, which is such a privilege. So that's what he says. He says, look very deeply in the Maimer in Lakute Maran, which is Simon Tess, which we've alluded to. Um, that's called Tahimis Yechasyuma, the depth shall cover over. What's explained there based on the Pasuk in Noyach, you shall make a light source for the Teva. It's an extremely, extremely deep teaching, Lakutamaran, that shows up in a in a broader form in Simon Kufyud Bays, which he says over here. So it shows up twice in Lakutamaran, in Simon Tes, in the ninth lesson, it's abbreviated. And its main place is the 112th lesson, which I think we have two or three shiuraman, um, as a Hashem on SoundCloud, if you're interested. So if you type in Lakutim Aran 112, you should find it. Very, very amazing. That teaching. He says, open your ears, open your eyes, listen carefully to what is written there about what's written about truth. That the main thing is truth, which we can better translate, I think, as authenticity. That's the main thing. The main thing, the main thing in Yiddishkeit is authenticity, is not to fake it. Not to fake it. Remember what Chazal tell us, whether a person does a lot or whether a person does just a little bit, the authenticity, that's what Hashem wants. Hashem wants our lave. Hashem wants just us showing up for real. For real. And that's what Ibn Ahmed speaks about over there. He finishes, uh, He continues rather, When a person finds him or herself so distracted and so confused and so bewildered during tefillah by just so many different confusions, So the main thing becomes just to say, the words of tefillah, just with 
whatever level of truth you could muster. With simplicity. No matter what level you're on without being bewildered, just to say the words with simplicity and allow the distractions to remain external to you, which is one of the first shirim that we gave in Sicha Saran Ayin Hei, I think the first. Right? Was I think it was called You Do You, right? And recognize that the distractions are coming from a totally extraneous place. Nothing to do with you. You are fundamentally not distracted. You are the one that's being distracted by other forces from within ourselves, the Eight Sahara, from outside of ourselves, but that's not you. You have Kavana. We learned if you remember Va'atsas Hashem Hisakam. Rabas Machshavas Ish. There are many different things floating around your head during Davening. But the main thing that lasts from Hashem's perspective is va'atas Hashem, Hisakam. It's that underlying, more essential kavana that we do have amidst the storm. That's, that's, what, that's what lasts. And so if we can channel that, if we can tap into that, and from that place say the words with simplicity, be'emes, be'pshitas, be'eza madrega shuhu, that's the main thing. Ayin Sham Hetev, see over there where this idea is elaborated upon. And we'll finish up. He says, through all of these pieces of advice, if a person is able to walk with them, and a person is able to remember them, and to review them, even if you just maybe take the, the source sheets over here, you can go online and just take Sicha Ayin Hei. And you can just have it and review it from time to time if you want to really work on tefillah. So it keeps the ideas fresh. So then he says, A person will merit to really daven in a, in, a, in a very profound way, in a very profound way, in a very deep way, in a very beautiful way, in a very impactful way. Both in terms of what we get out of the experience of tefillah, as well as what we get out of our tefillahs being responded to by HaKadosh Baruch who can make anything happen. If we take it upon ourselves to try to implement what's written in that lesson over there about, about truth, in this lesson over here about so many of the perspectives that we've discussed in the last couple of weeks about tefillah, and this concept of truth and authenticity is fundamental to all of Avodah Hashem, Sham, as is written over there, because again, fundamentally, what sits at the core of Yiddishkeit, seen through the lens of the Baal Shem Tov and through the lens of the Pnimiya Satora, is the R word, relationship. Relationship, capital R. That's what it's all about. And if that's what it's all about, then tefillah's got to be more than, than, than another, another box to check off. Culturally or spiritually, it's got to be more relationship okay so we really start to think about it deeply it's got to be deep it's got to be expressive it's got to be it's got to be real and that's that's what we're after and then he finishes here we'll finish a bit earlier today gam shamati i also heard says reb nasan and this is how he finishes the sicha ayin vav ayin hey rather 75 sha'amar that rabbi nachman said that all the movements that we make during tefillah and Kiyadua the Baal Shem Tov wanted very much that people should be moving their hands. Like we, I think we learned this already in this mini-series on Ayin Hei. We also spoke about that, right? Getting the body involved. Tenu right? We learned about like waking up 
the inspiration for tefillah for using external hand motions and, and all different kinds of, 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 of physical motions that we can make during tefillah, Zebachinas, Rabbi Nachman said that all these kinds of movements, Zebachinas is an aspect of the, the words from the Zohar Kaddish, which say, V'yadahi kasvin razin. And his hands, referring to the hands of a tzaddik, are writing mysteries. Hanamar batikunim, what's brought in the Tikkun Zayar. So if you take a look at the, at source number five, Tikkun Zayar Chaf Aleph, Pasach Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon opened his mouth, Amar, and he said, Zaka iu man demetzale, v'yad l'salka re'usil le'ela. He says, fortunate is a person who knows how to daven. V'yada, and he knows l'salka re'usil le'ela. And he knows how to send his ratzon, his will le'ela above. Daha, and here the Zohar Kaddish teaches us what this person is likened to. His mouth is expressing all kinds of holy names. And his hands are writing secrets. Says Rabbi Nachman, what is it? His hands are writing secrets. What does that have to do with tefillah? Says the Rebbe, okay, so there's two components of tefillah. There's the words that come out of your mouth, and then there's the hand motions. And the hand motions are not just, uh, you know, an accessory. They're, they're mamish. They're part of the picture. They're part of the story. Just like hand motions in conversation, like I'm doing now, it becomes part of the communication. It, it's part and parcel of communication. It makes things easier. Sign language, right? This is not sign language, but it, it accompanies speech. And it's, it becomes a part of the experience of communication. It's the same thing by tefillah. And says the Zohar Kaddish, what is it to make hand motions during tefillah? From our mouth comes holy names of God, and our hands are ke'ilu, are writing mysteries, secrets. Just the hand motions brings about big, big, big avoidus in Shemaim. And he finishes, When these words, when these holy names come out of our, our mouth, when we're davening, How many malachim, the ifanim, open their wings to receive the prayers, and the animals of the markava, they all come out to, to receive these tefillahs. Very lofty thing. But this is just the context for, Ibn Nachman says, through Reb Nassan, Gam Shamati, Reb Nassan says, Sha'amar, the Reb Nachman said, All of these hand motions are what are referred to when the Zara says that a person who's davening, from his mouth comes forth holy mystical names, and his hands are, are writing down these incredible secrets, secret mysteries, the hints that are being communicated when we daven impassioned, not just with you know, just reading words off a paper, but we get we get into it. Like the pasuk says, the the all of my bones taimarna say Hashem mikamaycha. All of us, like we like we describe in nishmas ilupinu mali shira kayam shaninirin v'yadenu kemarchavi shemay raglenu kalis kayolas. All of that we're describing our our bodies. And how we would praise Hashem if we can activate our, our bodies. And I'm just remembering now that Rabbi Nachman told his Hasidim that so much so is the heavenly sphere, all the spiritual realms dependent on man, which is a key motif and a theme that you learn from a lot of the Sifrit Panemius. We've spoken about this in different times in the past. 
that from this perspective of Pnimis HaTorah, man is in the driver's seat, so to speak, and we have the ability to bring about an Isarusa an awakening from below. So Rabbi Nachman said that it goes so deep this, that the Rebbe said when a Jew moves his hand from here to here, just from one, one place to the next, there's a movement in all the spiritual realms from, from that place over. Even something that, that doesn't seem to be a meaningful activity at all. We don't understand how powerful we are. We just don't understand. We don't understand the impact of our actions in the spiritual realms. The smallest thing, the smallest, tiniest thing, we're so incredibly powerful. And so, imagine how much more so when a person's davening, those holy hand motions of tefillah, not one of them is lost. They get etched. They get, they get etched in. They get recorded. Yadoi kasvin razin. Mamash, we're writing secrets, mysteries with, with our hands. And just, just well, this is one tiny thing to think about. Be'ez HaShem should live long and happy and healthy till 120. We go up to Shemayim. One of the things that's going to be weighed, so to speak, in our great judgment, we might not have even thought of this before, is all the hand motions, every single one, every little, you know, just begging Hashem with their hands. It, it, it's not lost. That itself is not lost. It, it, it had an effect and had an impact. It's collected, it's saved, it's stored. It has a very specific quantity and a very specific qualitative counterpart in terms of what it accomplished. Yadoyi kasvin razin, a big thing. So let's get into tefillah with simcha, with nigunim of optimism, in a good place, finding the good points inside, being about Chana Damalka, cheering Hashem up, so to speak, <laughs> and, 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 and trying to foster an atmosphere of, of optimism with all of ourselves, with all of ourselves. Mamish, kolat smoisei taimarna. Kolat smoisei taimarna. That is just Hashem, we should be zeichet to it. What a privilege uh, to have finished sicha ayin hei. With all of us, Baruch Hashem, thank you for journeying with me. Thank you for learning with me. And um, any tiny bit of insight that I'm ever zochah to have, and I really mean this, is, is just in the merit of our group, of our Chabura. Every neshama that joins, it gets that, we, we get that much more siyata deshmaya to be able to understand things clearly. So thank you, Chabur, for joining each and every one of you. It's great to see you. Eli Yosef, thanks for joining. And, the, and, and all the rest of the Chabura, thank you very much. I'm wishing you all the most beautiful, wonderful rest of your day and rest of your week up ahead. Thank you so much for joining. Ashreinu. Ah. Ashreinu. Kultiv Chavra.